Chapter Thirteen of Betty Baird's Golden Year by Anna Hamlin Weichel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Holly Jensen. Chapter Thirteen: The Fire. Betty's eyes flew open, and in an instant she was wide awake. She did not know why. She was not conscious of having heard anything. Yet she had been sleeping soundly, and all at once she was fully awake she lay still listening intently she could not hear a sound except the whir and clank of the manor windmill the stamping of the horses in the stable and the distant baying of a hound through the broad windows at her right she could dimly make out the tall trees swaying gently in the light breeze she strained her eyes into the dark corners of her room but could see nothing i'm growing nervous she thought she smiled to herself at repeating the familiar formula for in her young healthy life she thought of nerves about as older people do of second childhood feeling wide awake however she decided that a change might enable her to get to sleep more quickly so she got out of bed and knelt at the broad sill of the low window looking out into the peaceful night and at the friendly stars twinkling overhead suddenly it seemed to her that she detected the faint smell of burning she leaned out of the window and listened intently she thought she could hear a faint crackling at the direction of the stable with every nerve on edge she turned towards it then she noticed that the horses were stamping excitedly staring fixedly at one of the stable windows she saw a flickering light evidently from a fire her heart jumped and a lump came to her throat oh those beautiful horses she cried aloud she sprang to her feet hurried into her kimono and slippers and ran to miss minturne's room and knocked at the door gently but decidedly miss minturne opened the door at once don't be frightened miss minturne said betty with forced calm but i fear the stable is on fire we must keep it from the old people returned miss minturne in an agitated whisper run and waken the servants and i'll call cousin lawrence betty flew upstairs and aroused the servants then down again to the first floor going through the dining-room to get out by the side door she heard the clock in the hall chime two as she ran across the lawn to the fence that divided it from the garden the flames broke through the upper windows of the stable just then the rear door of the house was flung open and minturne dashed out closely followed by the servants in line to pass buckets he shouted instantly miss minturne betty the coachman the butler the cook and the housemaids formed a line passing the buckets from the pump to the stable and back again keep it up i'll get the horses out called minturne betty's heart gave a leap then stood still she saw him dash to the stable door tear it open and spring in and close it after him it seemed ages before it was hurled back and minturne came out leading one of the terrified carriage horses which he had blindfolded with a blanket slamming the door behind him he trotted the horse swiftly around to the front of the house and tied him to a tree back to the stable he ran and brought out the others one by one then the roof fell in with a roar and the heat grew intolerable the bucket passers were driven back the wind's carrying sparks over on the house we have to throw water on the roof 
cried minturne he quickly planted the ladder against the porch and clambered up stand on the ladder pat and hand up the buckets if only we had some help he exclaimed pulling up a bucket without waiting to hear more betty gathered up her kimono and ran down the walk to the gate she recalled instantly the alarm box at the crossroads just beyond the old woman's shop down the highway she flew her hair streaming out behind her in the rising wind her lithe figure bore up splendidly against its force her light steps fell evenly on the clay road running was no new thing to betty all her life she had loved it and battling with the wind in her excitement she cried fire fire though there was no one to hear there were few stars to be seen and the moon was often obscured by clouds fire fire she cried over and over between panting breaths and vibrating through the half-articulate cry was the thought of minturne what a masterful man in a few minutes she reached the little shop the old woman's head bobbed out of an upper window what's on fire she screamed the stable cried betty not slackening her speed how did it get a fire she shrieked after her leaning far out on the window-sill betty did not stop a moment more and she found herself at the alarm box without hesitation she broke in the glass door with her bare hand and gave the hook a vigorous jerk instantly she heard the awesome clang of the great bell in the village tower feeling then the strain of her long run she sank down trembling by the roadside soon she heard the rapid beating of a gong and the shrill tooting of a whistle and a fire engine and a hose cart thundered by the powerful gray horses straining against their collars as they plunged along the engine shooting a stream of sparks high into the air i must get back to the house maybe i can help she said aloud she stood up then with a little cry of pain she sank back to the ground her slippers were gone and her feet sadly cut and bruised in the excitement she had not noticed it before with great difficulty she hobbled to the old woman's shop there was a light in the front room for the son had gone to help at the fire and his mother was sitting by the window waiting for his return with the news why i thought you was a ghost she exclaimed starting from her chair as betty came up come in child you done your duty all right why what a mercy does this mean she cried as she saw betty's bleeding hand and feet an hour later the fire engine and the hose cart jogged past then the sun came back the fire was out the old manor house was safe betty had been missed and they were searching for her here comes master lawrence now said the son mr scarborough has fetched him in his automobile minturne leaped out and came to the door of the shop betty tried to hurry forward to meet him the old woman had lent her her number seven slippers but the bandages which the good old soul had wound around her lacerated feet made the size a matter of little consequence as betty stood in the doorway the light from the bracket lamp behind her cast fantastic shadows on the furrowed clay road outside with her blue kimono rumpled and torn her beautiful hair falling down her back in a tangled mass and caught with leaf and briar 
and the big carpet slippers projecting from beneath her short gown she made a picture that strangely mingled the humorous with the pathetic she stood there unable to speak but immensely relieved to learn from the sun that the engine arrove in the nick of time to save the house minturn hastened to her and took her uninjured hand in both of his how can i thank you how can i thank you he repeated if i hadn't been so worried about the house i'd have had only an exciting adventure said betty withdrawing her hand from his and leaning against the door-frame she was beginning to feel very weak i didn't do a thing but run and smash a little she added smiling and i like to do both at times you ran and smashed to a good purpose to-night said minturn warmly joining absently in betty's joke it was a mighty plucky thing and i can never thank you enough betty was about to answer when the two boat-like slippers caught her eyes and she began to laugh then she reeled minturn caught her in his arms calling for water the shopkeeper came running with a tin cup of water and dashed it into her face in a moment betty was herself it was nothing more than faintness from fatigue in spite of her protests minturn picked her up and carried her to the car mr scarborough and the old woman helping to tuck her in among the soft lap robes as they were speeding along betty asked in a faint voice yet with a note of her old-time mischievousness running through it mr minturn will you make an affidavit that i fainted minturn turned with a look of wonder he thought she was feverish from the excitement oh i'm in my right mind she affirmed my schoolmate lois bird and i used to want to faint she said she thought it was so ladylike she had a famous aunt who always fainted at the sight of a mouse but we could never manage it now i've gone and done it minturn laughed the heroine what's her name of the children of the abbey couldn't have done it more completely i'll back you up in any boast you make thank you i've learned though that faints like a good many other things can come a moment too late i don't feel the rapture i would have felt at fourteen they laughed at the nonsense minturn was relieved to see her in such good spirits while betty talked to make light of the incident as they were nearing the house they went very slowly a stream of people was returning from the fire having remained until the last ember had died out silence followed their words there was the sound of the brook that ran moonlight white through the darkling trees and cool reedy passes its bright rhythm staccatoing against the low indefinable whir of insects dawn was breaking in the east and in the half-light minturn's face with its smoky marks its stern strong lines appeared to betty to belong to a different age far off and strange the silence was not broken again except by minturn's and mr scarborough's questions as to how she felt until they reached the manor when miss minturn took betty off to rest end of chapter thirteen recording by holly jensen